we have this misconception that we need to look a certain way to perform our best. And what I find is that there really is truly no one size fits all for anybody. You can be playing the same sport, playing the same position, have the same build, whatever, and, and, and actually perform better at a different weight and might be harder for you to maintain this number that you think you need to be at. But yeah, I mean, just going back to that physical and aesthetics and athletic performance don't go hand in hand always. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's John here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Fueling the Pursuit presented by UCAN. The voice you just heard was that of Jessica Isaacs, the sports dietitian for the Los Angeles Clippers and a master nutrition coach for bodybuilding.com. Everyone has questions about diet. From what should I eat to lose weight, to build muscle, to think more clearly, to have more energy, to perform better, and to sleep better. While our guest, Jessica Isaacs, not only shares much needed advice about some of these questions, she actually does it in a way that's fun and easy to understand. Jessica was inspired to become a sports dietitian after overcoming her own negative experiences with diet and exercise. She's determined to help others do the same. I like to think of her as a dietitian on a mission. It's easy to take our health for granted. Thankfully, people like Jessica exist in the world because they remind each of us about the significant impact that the right eating habits can have on our daily life experiences. I can't wait for you guys to listen to this conversation and find one piece of advice that could help you take a big step forward towards your next personal bests. Before we get into this episode with Jessica, I do want to take just one moment to introduce UCAN and this podcast to some of our newest listeners. UCAN is a nutrition product of choice for so many elite athletes. But even UCAN knows that true success is about so much more than how you fuel your body. It's also about how you fuel your passion, your motivation, and your mindset. And that's why we created this podcast, so we could take you inside the minds of Olympians, elite athletes, coaches, and trainers to better understand what drives them to a constantly push to achieve new personal bests. We're really excited to take you guys on this journey with us, and we hope we can give all of you a little more fuel as you work towards optimizing your own performances, both in sport and in life. Now, on to the episode with Jessica. All right, today's guest is Jessica Isaacs, aka the sports dietitian. She's the sports dietitian for the Los Angeles Clippers, a master nutrition coach for bodybuilding.com, and she's the woman behind the amazing at Jessica the Sports RD on Instagram. Her mission is to make sense of sports nutrition in a no-nonsense way, and we can't wait to learn a little more about how she guides elite athletes to improve their diets. Jessica, thank you for joining us. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Jess, uh, I would love to know a little bit about where you're located right now and how things are going for you. Yeah, so I work down in LA uh, with the Clippers at the training facility. They've got a training facility in Playa Vista, and then right now working on a new arena in Inglewood, but we're still at the old Staples Center, new crypto where the Lakers were at. Uh, But I actually live like 65 miles north of there, so I have a bit of a commute each day to get in. I'm out in like Port Wyneme, Ventura, California. So you get to work with uh, Kawhi Leonard and some of the biggest names in the sport right now? Yeah, yeah. We've got some good good guys on the team, for sure. Oh, my gosh. I'm so jealous. All we, right. Brian and I are both huge NBA nerds, basketball nerds, even though we're track nerds. And <laughs> we love talking about basketball. 
Well, let's. Uh, I have a. I have some very specific questions about basketball and maybe dealing with athletes at that level. But I want to actually more start with sort of as a dietitian for the Los Angeles Clippers. Like, what exactly is your role within that organization in terms of interacting with the with the players, and what are you trying to provide to them specifically? Yeah. So I'll just give a, a quick intro on what a dietitian is. So uh, we get a degree in science. So we study a lot of chemistries, a lot of metabolism, how nutrients are respond in your body, how we break them down and utilize them, a lot of food science, food chemistry even, and as well as like medical nutrition. So we study all of these sorts of things and do a supervised uh, a 1200 hours, supervised practice hours in different areas. So clinical settings, outpatient settings, community settings, sports settings, settings, depending on where we want to go. And then we'll niche out into different fields. So I niched out into sports specifically. So that's kind of where I wanted to end up. Uh, so go on, you can take a board exam as a dietitian as well. And then to become um, a board certified sports dietitian, some more hours required working in sport, working with athletes in different capacities, and then another exam. So a lot of education and, and training to get us prepared to do the things that we do. So specifically with athletes, my goal is to optimize performance. So how do we get fuel into their bodies, food into their bodies? Um, what timing do we look at? How do we optimize uh, their intakes throughout the day? How do we optimize things to support whatever their goals are? Maybe it's to put on muscle, maybe it's to be faster, maybe it's to have better endurance, whatever the case may be, to reduce their chance of, of injury. So we want to like keep everybody healthy as long as possible, keeping them available. Um, and so, you know, that looks like, like different, lots of different things. So I might be um, helping an athlete either take some things to help them prevent injury or might be also be helping athletes return from an injury and helping talk them through what the recovery process looks like for an injury. Uh, and so, so those are the main things. So optimizing performance, preventing injury, and then just general health stuff. So I've got athletes that are 19 years old and I've got athletes that are in their thirties. And so we've got to take care of them a lot of different ways with basketball. It's a lot of wear and tear on the body. Obviously, uh, we've got, you know, in, in sports in general, um, repetitive sports, you get a lot of inflammation. So ways that look at reducing those. So a lot of just, um, my like day to day job is uh, when the guys come in the facility, I might be, you know, talking to them, hey, what'd you have for breakfast and making sure that we're eating beforehand yeah. uh, or, or I'm watching kind of what they're eating and kind of observing and making sure they're fueling themselves, hitting them with some hydration stuff. I might be hitting them with some collagen when they come in. Uh, and then throughout the day, I'm just kind of keeping a pulse on different things. So if they're finishing up with a workout, might be hitting them with some recovery, like recovery smoothie or something like that, ensuring they're getting food. Um, so every day is a little bit different, but it's a, a lot of teaching about food, educating about food and nutrition, providing different forms of food and supplements, um, and then helping to navigate any particular issues that an athlete's having, whether that be maybe needing to make a body composition change or again, like an injury or cramping or something like that. I feel like being a dietitian is almost like being a therapist because we're all sensitive about our bodies. <laughs> we're all sensitive about what we eat, how we feel, what we look like. And it's kind of an intimate thing to, to work with somebody and try to figure out what works for you from a um, nutritional standpoint. I, I don't know. If, would you agree that you almost in many ways kind of like a therapist? Because you probably have to have conversations to understand where people are coming from and stereotypes and misconceptions that, that you might have to overcome from a buy-in standpoint in terms of whatever you're recommending. 
Oh yeah, hundred percent. It's it's not even just about you know like I talked about all the education. It doesn't matter how much you know if you can't connect with that athlete. Yeah, um, they have to know how much you care first before they're going to listen to anything that you have to say. So that relationship building, that that therapy, whatever you want to call it, yeah, that, um, you know, <laughs> connecting to them on a personal level is an understanding. Like you said, um, what was food like growing up? You know, did they have dinners at tables? Was it structured things? Or were we going through fast food lines? Did we have yeah. body insecurities growing up? You know, all of that really does play a role. It's not just you should eat this because it'll make you perform at your best. They're still humans. At, even at the highest level, they're still humans. Right. You can plug in the information, well, but how it's computed and processed mm-hmm. by that person determines whether or not they actually, you know, not only do it, but stick with it. True. Well, and what I think about is if you're working with a 19-year-old, you might know where you want to get them by the time they're 25, but you're not going to get them there in the first season, let's say. So it's going to be like figuring out what steps they need to take based on where they are versus, it, you know, it's the same as like the, I think about how they work on their game. At least this is my assumption. You know, most players pick a couple things and they just want to like improve that thing. And yeah. that season they work on that and then they keep building up knowing that by the time they get to their late 20s, they should have a really well-rounded, you know, sort of be at the peak of their powers. And I don't know, it just seems to me like you probably have to take a similar approach to nutrition with them. Is that the case for you? Totally. I mean, sometimes it's, you know, it's like you said, that playing the long game sometimes of like, yeah. all right, this guy's got a while. So let's work on things like, let's just work on that buy-in piece before I'm even giving them, hey, do this. And just building that trust and waiting for that interest to maybe spark. But yeah, that buy-in piece is so critical to move that needle forward um, yeah. for that athlete. Yep. Can I ask how long have you been working with NBA athletes? So uh, specifically with the Clippers, I've been with them for about four months now. Prior to the NBA, I was working at UCLA with the men's and women's basketball teams there. Go Bruins. Um, And then... Yeah. And then uh, I was at Mamba Sports Academy, Kobe Bryant's training facility. So there I worked with some players as well, but it's been different types of athletes from collegiate to pro for the last few years. Well, I was going to say that one of the revolutions that you hear about on the outside as a fan of the sport, but you don't necessarily have a lot of insight into is like some of these athletes have really extended their careers Mm -hmm. by just changing their diet. Steve Nash was the first person I heard about who seemed to like drop sugars and and get rid of it. He just really revolutionized it. He went and they talk about Chris Paul doing it. A lot of the older athletes who've had a really extended careers give a lot of credit to diet and then body maintenance, I would say, you know, the two things going hand in hand. Yeah. And I'm curious if you see that as well, because I guess what I wanted to say, I have this vision of NBA players and a lot of it comes from Jalen Rose, who's a NBA analyst, you know, on ESPN. And he always talks about athletes champagning and campaigning, which is his kind of phrase for like going out on the town at the end of games and, you know, drinking a bunch and going out to the clubs and doing this lifestyle. And I'm like, well, that is absolutely the opposite lifestyle of a distance runner who's trying to maximize their abilities, right? And then I look at it from your perspective, and I was going to ask you as a dietitian, like, how do you balance like what you know the person needs to be doing to optimize their health and their life and their performance versus maybe the lifestyle that they're hoping to live as an NBA player, which may not go hand in hand with that? Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, not all the guys are going out partying. A lot of them, you know, have families and and are pretty boring in their outside of uh, (laughs) out of basketball lives, believe it or not. Uh, But yeah, especially that traditional image, too, especially if you think of like Lakers and the heyday kind of thing, like it's that's partying, right? The partying lifestyle. But that's where it becomes really important. I think going back to that relationship piece of like, I can't just come at them with like, hey, if you go out drinking, it's going 
going to increase your chance of injury by you know this much percentage point, or it's affecting your recovery by this much. I can't tell them that unless they care, unless they're looking to improve, they're going to do what they want to do at the end of the day. And sometimes it is, you know, on any level, it's waiting to see an injury happening before they're willing to put their ears up. But yeah, like, you know, I worked with like bodybuilding athletes and I've worked with endurance runners and it's definitely, you've got type A personalities of people that are just very regimented and are looking for all of those ways that they can optimize what they're doing. And not that NBA athletes aren't in any capacity, but they might not be completely bought in when it comes to like nutrition and, you know, some of the lifestyle habits. Have you ever run into anybody that that didn't want to do it? Like, if that's the case, how do you handle that? You know, you roll with it uh, a lot of times. I mean, they make their own choices at the end of the day. They can choose to do something or not to choose to do something. I still like hold on to it because I feel like, well, maybe I didn't do my job, but everybody, regardless where they're at, you know, they have stages of readiness to change. Not everybody's Mm. ready to make any kind of a change. And if they're not, it doesn't matter what you throw at them. They're not really ready to change. So you, you, you still just kind of maintain and foster that relationship and maybe look for that inkling of maybe they're progressing to like a little bit of interest. And then maybe you hit them uh, a different way. There's some interesting things. Like I thought about, I don't know, you know, CGMs, continuous glucose monitors that like diabetics use to monitor their blood sugars. Yeah. So now athletes are using those to to monitor their blood sugars and and see what their blood sugars are doing through their training and finding ways to optimize. So that to me is actually like exciting as for for people that maybe are resistant to just like me telling them things, but need to see data of like, let me actually show you with this. So I've not quite done it yet, but that's something I'm actually excited to play around with is like maybe trying data with these guys might be a way in for the ones that aren't quite ready. Yeah, you mentioned on your website, a part of your approach is evidence-based nutrition, like evidence-based information so that you can help people to, you're like, you could say it, but people might not buy into it. You actually have a really funny post um, on your Instagram about the dietitian says something and everybody's like, oh, I don't know if I believe you. And then the podcast is no, 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 the certification <laughs> says something. And, and, and then everybody's like, yeah, I believe you. And you're like, that's the thing that you're battling, the dietitians are battling is where are they getting the information and who are they willing to listen to? And it's just kind of like the relatability factor plays a big role in buy-in. Well, people too, they want to know like, you know, yes or no, is this good or is this bad? And dietitians were like, well, kind of not either, right? Like it's right in the middle and that's not sexy, right? Like, like, like it's not sexy, but truly it depends is the answer for every nutrition question because it does. But people want to know like, does this cause cancer or will this hurt me or will this make me perform X amount better? And you just, we just don't have the kind of numbers to say that or to really say like objectively, this will do this for sure. Okay, so you just hit on something that I struggle with in so many areas, like not just nutrition, but like, it's really easy, the more you know about something to have it get way too complicated for the person you're working with. Because nutrition is one of those things, like when every answer is it depends, that means you kind of have to understand quite a lot before it depends makes sense. And so I'm wondering, how do you simplify? Or do you have a strategy for sort of simplifying how you communicate it? it, like, and it depends <laughs> or, or how you simplify, how you simplify a recommendation so that it's more practical and executable as opposed to sort of being too much for the person who needs to hear it. 
Yeah. I mean, like one thing that I've tried to do is really be specific with who my messages are for so that we are at least like, you know, I'm not talking to the general population. I'm talking specifically to a strength and power based sport, a stick and ball sport athlete. Right. So at least I've narrowed things down a little bit. And then maybe I'm specifically talking to the people that are trying to gain weight. Right. But even mm-hmm. then, there's like so many different categories. But if, if I kind of start to narrow down who I'm talking to, that's, you know, one way. And then obviously, you know, individual work is the best answer. Having someone to individually look at your health history, your habits, your lifestyle, your goals, um, and then work on things with you over time is the best solution. But that's Mm -hmm. obviously doesn't work for everybody, right? And some kind of health publications or or education I'm going to put out there is going to be more for a general audience to to receive. And so what I try to do, at least with like my videos and some of the things that I post is just kind of like start the conversation, not say conclusively Mm -hmm. do just this, but like, let's just start the conversation or here's a couple things to try and try not to lock myself into saying, you know, this will do this or you need this because the solution isn't the same for everybody. And it's not black and white. The the person matters. Yeah. I mean, it seems like following you and, and getting to know your story before we're having this awesome opportunity to chat with you. I'm loving this conversation so much already. Um, it, just looking at what you, you do put out there as a content creator, it seems like a, a big part of your intention is to combat misinformation, you know? And I wrote down in my notes that I feel, because I'm not super educated in the same, not even remotely close to the same way that you are when it comes to nutrition. So when I think about every time I learn something new from a nutrition standpoint, and I experience a difference in terms of how I feel, I feel empowered. I feel like the education and the information is very empowering. So could you talk a little bit about, uh, and I think Brian can even ask a follow-up question about your background because I might forget, but I want to talk a little bit about the intent. What's the goal for you in terms of the content that you're putting out there? Yeah. So I came into nutrition. I'm a second career dietitian. I was in the military. I was an aircraft mechanic before I was even a dietitian. So nothing at all like in, in the same capacity. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I struggled with nutrition and body image my entire life. I struggled with eating disorders, um, diet culture, constantly on a, a quest to lose weight, even when I didn't even need to lose weight because I had this idea that I needed to be a certain weight, you know, like this certain number on the scale was, was where I needed to be. And so much of my energy in my life was just wasted on this thing that I struggled with. And so I started getting into nutrition, just kind of trying to understand it and trying to get healthy on my own. I had a daughter at this point, she was five years old and like making comments about her body that really broke my heart to realize that there was something clearly that she was seeing from me that was spilling over into her life. And I knew that I had to really break that cycle and I could not continue to pass that on to my daughter. And so I started getting healthy, started exploring things and really did like a DIY recovery process and just really sparked my interest. Like, wow, you know, I'm seeing in my own life, like how much nutrition is improving my health and improving some of the the issues I was having and then making peace with things and and starting to fall in love with, with fitness and that sort of thing, just seeing what it could do together. I got really excited about like, man, how do I take this to the highest levels? Like I want to work with athletes at the highest levels and how do I show them how, which traps not to fall in, but also like, if you do this the right way, like how much better you can feel, how much better, you know, not just like physically, but emotionally Mm -hmm. um, and how much better you can 
platform. So a lot of what my intention is on social media is to help those people that are maybe, you know, going down the wrong path or before they even get there to see like some correct information, you know, not like the grocery store, check out like magazines, lose 20 pounds in, in, in a week with this dumb diet, but like, like <laughs> real information, especially targeted towards athletes, because I don't think that there's enough evidence-based information that's accessible for athletes out there. I was really taken by uh, a little stuff, you know, in your background about how you were clearly, I don't know what you were competing in, but you were clearly very fit and you looked like you had everything put together. And yet you were talking about how you were, you know, I think the phrase you used was you were a toxic being and you were sort of like not healthy, even though from the outside appearances, you would look totally Mm -hmm. healthy. And I really, it really resonates with me as like, I'm just somebody, I'm very skinny person. Like I'm never going to gain a ton of weight. And that's has nothing to do with my diet. It has nothing to do with my lifestyle. I have that genetic composition for the most part. And I think it's very possible, you know, I might be way more unhealthy than I realize just because I'm judging myself on a physical appearance standpoint. And I think uh, it's got me thinking a lot as I do, we, you know, John, and I do research for the podcast. We start thinking about things. It's like there's outside appearances can be deceiving and how you feel has no connection to how you look often. And I think that connection seems to be very profound in how you found your way to becoming a dietitian. And I bet it's a profound with a lot of the people you work with as well. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I get a lot of people that I turn away, unfortunately, because they're coming to me and they're trying to lose a lot of weight. And I'm telling them like, Hey, that's actually not going to help your performance. If you know, if you're preparing for a race, let's say, and you've got a race like three months from now, and you're trying to cut 15 pounds, that's not going to optimize. That's going to hurt you more like that effort to lose the weight and what you're going to have to do restriction wise to drop that weight is not going to optimize your training um, mm. and recovery process mm. prepared for that race. If we, we, we can't do these simultaneously. So, you know, if they're stuck on that idea, then unfortunately I have to turn them away or maybe refer them to someone that maybe does work with weight loss. But a lot of times, yeah, we have this, we have this misconception that we need to look a certain way to perform our best. And what I find is that there really is truly no one size fits all for anybody. You can be playing the same sport, playing the same position, have the same build, whatever, and, and, and actually perform better at a different weight and might be harder for you to maintain this number that you think you need to be at. But yeah, I mean, just going back to that physical and aesthetics and athletic performance don't go hand in hand always. Um, Sure. Sometimes like we can optimize things a little bit by improving body composition, putting on a little bit more muscle, and maybe that helps to bring down our body fat percentage a little bit. But in a lot of situations, the efforts and the lengths that people go to to drop weight is a lot more destructive, not only right here and now, but also to their metabolism, to their mental health, and to the relationship with food and what they're going to want to do in the future. Um, so yeah, so I got a lot of people that we have to kind of actually move backwards a little bit before we can move forward. We have to, you know, maybe correct some things and might cause some weight gain and, until we can get to a point where we're going to be where we want to be. Are there any examples or stories that you could share just to highlight, I don't know, I guess maybe a challenge that somebody was facing or a goal that they had that when they started working with you through the right nutritional plan and plan of, of action, they were able to actually accomplish or, or get really close to accomplishing their goals? Yeah. So I, I work with a lot of high school athletes, which I love working with high school age athletes. So I get a lot of oh, them. That's cool. um, I, 
I've had some eating disorder or on the fence kind of eating disorder, like thinking, hey, um, they're telling, they're coming to me because they want to improve performance, but they've got kind of the wrong idea of how we're going to get about that. And so I know if I come at them with ignoring their goals and only focus on like, yeah, but this is what you need to do that I'm probably going to lose them. And so for a particular athlete I'm thinking of, for her, I really needed to work, move calories up substantially. Mm -hmm. But if I try to jump calories significantly, like overnight, it, I was going to lose her. And so we worked on like small things, just working on timing first of like, look, I don't even care how much you eat or what you eat. I just want you to start eating at this time, this time, this time, and this time. Um, and so in the next time we worked together, we, we checked in on that. And then we, we now I want you to work on getting um, this much of protein on this plate, right? Because she was still very carb fearful. A lot of people are carb fearful. So yeah. we're going to work on that slowly. But all this time, as she started to eat more consistently, she's like, oh man, I started to feel better. I had less headaches. I, I have a lot more energy. Before I was like, I felt, you know, so hungry all day. And then at nighttime I was stuffing my face and then I felt guilty about that and blah, blah, blah. And there's the cycle. And so fast forward to like uh, the end of our time working together in a much, much better place, fueling optimally, feeling really great, made the varsity team crushing it. So things like that are huge for me is the ones I think that start off with this really um, skewed idea and that just kind of get bought into the process just by like, not necessarily just trust me, but like really pay attention to what your body's doing and seeing how much better you feel. And then if you believe me, let's do <laughs> something else. You know? Now trust me this next part. I love that story because it hits it a couple things that are I found true for athletic success that don't necessarily have to do with diet, but it's like building a healthy routine from the beginning, starting with the routine. And even if the routine isn't perfect, you have a routine. Now you have something to build off of, right? You, you're starting from there and moving forward and making it sort of uh, systematic is it was a big key to me getting better in a lot of ways was just like you said, it's like every morning, I'm going to do the same thing. Every training activity, I'm going to have a certain prep routine. I'm going to do my training. I'm going to have a certain recovery routine. And it, it just makes sense to me that you would do it with diet. And I love the fact that you started with just eat at these times because it's such a simple thing that would be so easy to overlook if you're trying to do it by yourself. You're like, okay, I need to change what I'm eating but you might not think I need to change when I'm eating, right? And I think that's some of those little things where working with someone who's a pro at doing what they're doing can really help you to order the events of what you're trying to do to improve in the optimal way. Right, right, absolutely. I feel like one of the things that a lot of people might think, I know for sure that I think it is, um, or have thought it before I really started paying more attention to my nutrition and my habits is why would I change what I'm doing? You know, why would I change how I'm eating? Because you can get the information and you see it, but I needed a really good why. And the thing that stood out to me in terms of my experience with changing my diet was the energy, like how I actually felt. Because I will put myself out there. I I love junk food. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love junk food. I don't eat it all the time. I mean, maybe my kids and stuff will say that's not true, but <laughs> I don't eat it all the time. But man, I love junk food. I love my fast food and stuff like that. And I work out. I'm still healthy, even though I don't compete com competitively in running anymore at the professional level. I still work out and I'm healthy, but I had to figure out because it, it was kind of getting bad. I was eating it all the time for a while. And I said, well, I don't feel good though. I, I enjoy it. I feel good when I'm eating it. But the, immediately afterwards, I felt terrible. So I struggled with figuring out how do I get out of this terrible habit of eating this stuff that I really like. And I said, you know, I want to feel better. At some point, it just clicked. And I said, I want to feel better when I eat. 
I still want to feel good after I finish eating whatever I'm eating. And when I started eating more salads, just in looking for really awesome salads, you know, I love to go out and with the family and, and we just look for the best places with the best salads and all that. That's our habit that we've developed as a family. But man, for a while, I was just eating that junk food. And until I started saying, well, if you like feeling terrible and getting headaches and feeling just nauseous and stuff like that, because the food does do that to you, then, you know, you're always going to have that negative experience after you eat. And once I started having the energy and I started feeling like, hey, I can still think clearly. I don't want to necessarily take a nap right after I eat my lunch or my dinner. I love that feeling. And so I started seeking it out more in the foods that I was eating. And I'm like, what other foods are going to give me energy? You know, so that, I don't know. So that was, that's been like a big motivation for me is trying to feel better. And now it's trying to look better. And I turned 40. So I want to, I want to, I want to hold on to my youth for as long as I can. Cause I'm like, I can't believe I'm 40. <laughs> so I don't know. When it comes to motivation and food, what kind of things do you find people sharing that might be helpful for other people to be aware of when it comes to other than optimizing their performance, what other motivational things have they shared with you that gets them to make the changes that most people struggle with? Yeah. So that energy one that you talked on is a common one that people are seeking out is they just, they're tired all the time. Yeah. Um, they have low energy and they're just like, I, I, I'm living off of caffeine and I'm doing this and that, and I want better energy. Um, some of it is, Hey, I want to be able to do this for longer. I want to be able to extend my sporting career, you know, or private clients that I'm working with. I want to um, be able to run around with my kids. I want to be able to run around when I have grandkids, you know? And so they're looking at like future things. I don't see too many young people thinking that way, you know, yeah. they're not quite <laughs> thinking about running around with kids or anything like that. But for them, it's usually energy or they have a specific goal. Like I'm trying to, I want to get bigger. I want to put on, I want to be more powerful. I want to be faster. Um, I don't want to feel so sore all the time or you know, just things like that, just kind of like symptoms or, or things that they're having. But motivations can all be a little bit different. And I think it's important to have one, um, especially that's not necessarily weight focused, uh, because then you have something to really like to keep in your mind of like, why am I doing this to keep coming back to that? Why? Okay, well, I want to increase energy. So here's those things that I need to do. And, and, and maybe I can like pick and choose the things that I want in order to support that. But then anytime we're demonstrating habits or wanting to do things that maybe oppose that or won't produce that, then that's where I can tap into, well, do you think that's going to improve your energy or, or not? Or folk, whatever that is, that motivating factor, that person's, you know, thing that they're, their why reason. Yeah. Or for some of them, hey, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I like this is like a really gray area. <laughs> I have no idea where to look. And I just I want to learn. Like I want to learn. I don't trust the internet. I don't want to be paying attention to this influencer and this influencer. I'm jumping from diet to diet. And I, I just want to learn like what do I need to do? Yeah. I actually was going to ask you about the idea of education in terms of food education you have in terms of working with people, because what you just said, like, I'm sure there are some people who come to you and they kind of maybe how you were back when you were getting interested in it, like, they don't only want to solve the problem they have, they're excited about it. It's really interesting to them, the science of it, the way everything interconnects. And then there's probably other people who are like, just tell me what to do. And they're not invested in understanding the big picture and, and sort of moving up a level in terms of how it fits into their lives and stuff. Um, how important is it, though, for a person who's trying to change their diet to invest in that education around nutrition? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, we say diets don't work, right? Because you look at studies and you see that diets over time, like we've got... Oh, 
weight regain and, and most of them, most people don't keep off the weight that they lose if you look, you know, a couple of years down the line or whatever. But the one thing that like generally diets don't do is they don't teach you anything, right? So mm-hmm. you, you, you achieve whatever the goal is or you don't or you, the diet fails or whatever it is. And then you're like, all right, I got to go to the next one now so that the next thing that tells me what to do, I'm going to download the next meal plan that it tells me exactly what to eat. But then like, well, shit, I don't have that in the fridge right now. So like, I can't make this or someone just called me and asked me to go, I, I got to go to dinner for work or something and I can't bring my Tupperware there. So what am I going to eat? And you know, it's, it's, it's all of yeah. those things that come up. Like, how is your meal plan going to support you in that? Right. It's not, your meal plan doesn't teach you how to make those decisions and why you're making those decisions. You know, why am I choosing white rice over brown rice or why am I choosing, or, or why am I choosing brown rice over white rice? Or also why am I choosing white rice over brown rice? Like, cause there's a time for each of those. Right. And so I think understanding the whys is like how, you don't have to keep coming back, you know, return customers for a certain amount of time. But like, I, I don't want lifetime customers. I want to educate you out of my services because if I've done my job correctly, you should be able to know how to roll with whatever the next thing is now, because I've taught you how to do that, how to not just eat for right now, but also how to change that based on whatever your goals are, whatever you're doing in the future. So that education piece, I think that's how you prevent yourself from having to go back time and time again for a diet or a meal plan or whatever the case may be. But sometimes, yeah, people just want to tell me what to eat, you know, just exactly exactly (laughs) what to eat and I'll, I'll go with it. But I also make sure that they know here's all these other choices you could make. Don't just rely just on this. Like I want, and, and, and here's why you could choose these other things. Could you tell us a little bit about how you got into the content creation side of your business? Because you had another, I actually thought it was very thoughtful in terms of encouraging people to think outside the box when somebody tells them they're limited to only one path. You you mentioned a teacher said something about like, you know, dietitians only could do one thing. And, and then you listed this really cool post. I don't know how you make these kinds of posts. They're so cool. Like it was five of you or something like that. And you had like each person dancing at the same time and it showed different things that you do as a dietitian. How the heck did you come into the content creation side of your business? Yeah, I think I kind of had just a creative bone in my body that I always like hope to be able to flex a little bit. And yeah. so simple nutrition education has always been something I've been passionate about since the beginning. So I was doing things like creating handouts and infographics and those sorts of things, like physical things to hand to athletes or clients. And so that was kind of a way that I was doing some creative stuff. But during COVID, I lost my job and was sitting around at home and I was like, oh crap, what am I going to do? Because my job's kind of it's a nice to have thing when people are, are pinching their pennies and not sure about when their next paycheck's coming. You're not hiring me, right? And so I was yeah. really worried about what I was doing and how I was reaching people. And so I knew, knew I needed to go virtual and reach more people. I have a 15 year old daughter and she was on this thing called TikTok. Uh, <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was already on like Instagram and making like graphics and those sort of things. But um, during COVID and trying to reach mostly a high school and collegiate audience. That was really the the target population, the athletes that I was looking to, to reach, realizing, hey, they're over on TikTok. They're not hanging out on Facebook. Some of them are on Instagram, but they're on TikTok. And so hopped on there, checked out a little bit of, of what was going on, thought it was specifically just like for uh, children to like dance to uh, or mountain music <laughs> to. But then it evolved over COVID and all sorts of grownups were coming on and doing all kinds sorts of cool things. So I just started playing around with, you know, how can I couple these things? The Instagram stuff was getting a little stale. So, but how do I bring, how do I upgrade in the nutrition education in this new form, this new like short form video that everybody's doing? And it just worked. 
and people that was, I was reaching the people I wanted to reach. I was having the conversations that I was wanting to have. I continued doing it at UCLA and it was actually a really great way to continue conversations with my own athletes. Cause you know, I couldn't always have all the conversations all the time with them, wow. but they would see something I posted and then they would slide in my DMS like, Hey, do I need to do this? Should I be doing this? Or I have a question about that. And so I became intentional too, of like, if I overheard something or if I was aware someone was doing something that maybe needed a little bit of education, I'd make a video about it and wow. then they would, they would see it. And then we would talk yeah. about it. No, it was about them. Um, so it's it, very, very strategic. <laughs> That's so smart because I think for our audience specifically, there's a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people that work for themselves or that are in business or that maybe even own businesses. And they're trying to figure out why should I, you know, and how uh, should I use social media uh, in a way that's, that, that would allow me to connect more. And I mean, just, just look at your Instagram. It's such a good example of, thinking outside the box, like, you know, yes, you are certified and educated as you could be as a dietitian. And you said there's always learning going on as a dietitian, but the way that you're sharing your information and connecting with your specific target audience is genius. It's absolutely amazing. I think you make a really, really good point. And the fact that you gave it a shot and you just dived right in and, and I mean, I'm sure it probably gives you more business than you could probably handle because you got a big following. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. It's yeah. been a fun journey for sure. For sure. Well, and it's cool that you had this itch and you had this ability to, to well, an interest in a creative side. I think a lot of people have a creative side, but they don't necessarily have the forum in the, in the day-to-day traditional version of what they're doing. And in your case, the two go hand in hand and you have a great reason to, to scratch that itch using social media because it's, you know, it generates business. But I, I also just love the fact that you can be a dietitian and be a creative person and be a, an airline mechanic and be, and be other things too. And part of everybody's path is figuring out how those various parts of them co- can be combined to do something new and create value and, and make something important. And in your case, you've gone on this journey that's now taking you to the top of working at, at one of the top sports leagues with one of the top teams with some of the best athletes in the world. And I'm sure that, you know, 10 years ago, that path was unclear, but you just found lots of ways along as you went to sort of keep moving forward using the various skills and talents you have. And so we need to sort of wrap up and we have a, a few questions we want to get to about you can with you, but I want to say thank you for coming on and sharing some of these concepts around uh, diet and how we can think a little bit better about it. I know we've only scratched the surface, but that's all we can really do. And I hope people will go check out your feed and learn more because uh, it's one of the best resources I've found. And, and totally. it's been totally like illuminating speaking with you right now. So thank you so much for joining us and being on the show. Thanks, guys. It's been great chatting with you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fuel in the Pursuit presented by UCAN. For both athletes and active people, controlling blood sugar is the key to optimizing focus, performance, and recovery. Thankfully, UCAN has developed a patented ingredient known as Superstarch to help deliver long-lasting energy while stabilizing blood sugar levels. To properly fuel your pursuit both with the right nutrition and with the right food for thought, Make sure to visit youcan.co forward slash podcast to subscribe to our podcast show, to see our current lineup of upcoming guests, and of course, to learn more about UCAN's amazing products. Please continue to listen. We have some bonus content for you guys. We have a short Q&A conversation with Jessica about how she uses UCAN to get the most out of her day. And Brian and I do a quick recap about what stood out to us from our conversation with her. 
So we were speaking with you before about your path and, and working with people and, and how to get them to transition and make improvements in their diet. And with UCAN specifically, it's such an amazing product. And I want to ask you some maybe more technical science-y kind of questions about it. But first, I just want to ask, how did you get exposed to it? How did you learn about UCAN? So I was at Purdue. I was at Purdue University. I was there as a student. I was interning in the athletics department. And they actually, um, I, I don't know the rep's name anymore, but he actually came in. Peter, maybe? Um, he, he actually <laughs> came in to do like a, a demo and a taste test, but then kind of shared the story of UCAN and why UCAN was developed and all sorts of things. It was really interesting. And as a student, I developed an infographic on <laughs> how to use UCAN uh, before, during, whatever, after exercise and that I was using to, to give to athletes. And so that's kind of how I was introduced. And that was what, like maybe six years ago, maybe longer than that. And then it's just been a kind of a product that's popped up periodically working with either endurance athletes. Now it's something that I've brought into to different other locations that I've been working at. I and mean, it's something that I use as well. Um, yeah. When you started using it, did you notice a, a difference yourself in, in terms of how you felt or the results you were seeing? Absolutely. So the first time that I played around with it, I was going out on like a long hike. And generally, I would start with some other different fuel things. But I was like, you know, what? I just want to use this product only for this hike. So I can kind of like do a little experiment on myself. And then what I noticed was I just felt really good. Like usually at different points where I started to feel pretty gassed, I was feeling really, really strong still. I felt like my endurance was great. I could keep going. Um, usually I have a little bit of problems with like eating too close to any kind of physical activity. I get a little stomach upset or feel like a sloshy stomach kind of thing. Um, I didn't have any of that. So it felt really great. And then it just was like, a, you know how you get like energy rush and then you start to die off. Like I just didn't really feel that. It did come down to just hitting things timing wise, you know, making sure that we're fueling up uh, enough. Um, that's a big part of it. But just as compared to some other things that I've eaten um, or some things that I've tried before, I just really, really liked the stable energy that I got from UCAN. Were you surprised by that compared to other past experiences you've had with other products? Yeah, yeah, I actually really was because I'm skeptical of like any kind of product, you know, any kind of marketing around it. I'm very much like, you know, I, I, I've always will be a fan of the Whole Foods and any kind of product. I'm like, all right, what's this? What's, what are we getting at here? You know, right. What's their deal like I'm, I've got my like detective goggles on you know and I'm going in to try to figure out what's going on but yeah I was certainly I was surprised it, it, it definitely backed up what it said that it would do as far as that like stable energy no crash sort of thing and then as well as just again like how it felt personally in, in my body and, and not having those normal like gastrointestinal kind of issues that I would typically have for the type of activity I was doing. You have more of a scientific background and training and I mean can you maybe help the listeners understand what exactly makes you can unique compared to other products. So it's low glycemic. So it's uh, as far as like how it's going to respond in our blood sugar, we're talking about glycemic. It's basically how our blood sugar is going to respond to it. So, you know, before activity, we want something that is like um, generally like a simple sugar, because that's going to be what converts into energy pretty quickly. Our body doesn't take a lot of time to break it down. But sometimes with certain things that are more of a simple sugar, what we do see is that spike in our blood sugar where we feel great. And then because of what our insulin does and how our body responds to it. Sometimes we have also that crash. So the formula of the UCAN product, we see more of a stable blood sugar throughout because it is lower glycemic. So we're not having that big spike and that big dip that we would get with other types of products. So it's literally like your body chemistry is absorbing it 
slightly slower in, in, in a way that's allowing you to sort of have a sustained energy as opposed to that sort of spike and crash. If I understand the, the spike and crash, it's literally yeah. your body's absorbing all of it right away. And then there's nothing left. And so you, you go from like all to none really quickly. Um, nice. I find this to be really amazing because it's on, on the one hand, kind of magical that it works this way, right? And at the other side, it's totally healthy. It's not a synthetic chemical that's making it it work in this way. And I, is there an ideal like you can customer or is you can something that kind of can be used by anybody? I think it can be used by anybody, whether you're a recreational athlete, someone that's just, you know, working out in the gym sort of thing, or you are an endurance-based athlete. You know, the nice thing, like I really like the edge packets. That's just little... That's, <laughs> mm-hmm. Squeeze packets you could have in your bag because yeah. they're just super neat. You don't have to mix them with anything. So it's probably my favorite, which makes it convenient for like you're an endurance person, someone that's going to go out for a while and need to have things on hand and need to pack light. Um, I think it, that lends itself to, to being a great product there. But really, truly anybody, if you're a basketball player, for instance, you can have you can as a pre, um, pre-game, pre-training or whatever. I do have athletes that do that. And then what's nice is you can also easily throw it in if you're going to be training for a long time, you can throw it in there. So like, you know, at halftime, for instance, if we're in a game scenario, because we're not going to have that, again, uh, we're going to see that nice stable energy and we're not going to have that that gastrointestinal distress that we might have with some other things. It makes it really easy to plug it in anywhere and not have to worry about how it's going to tax our digestive system. Yeah, I think the timing of when you have the nutrition, I think that's, um, if you don't mind, just reiterating the importance of that, because I feel like, that was one of the things when I was introduced to UCAN many, many years ago when I was running professionally. And I was I I was a shorter, more on the middle distance side of, of running, but even I still benefited from it. But I felt like I had to figure out when to take it so that, that four minutes or less of running for a mile, um, I was getting the benefit of that energy that UCAN can provide. And I was always shocked that when I would get the timing down right, how I didn't really experience the fatigue that I always anticipate, like at some point, I'm going to feel tired. At some point, it's going to show up. And when I started using UCAN, I was shocked at how I didn't experience that at the times that in competition and in training that I would usually experience it. But I, I felt like I was kind of figuring out the timing to make sure that that was the case. I don't know. If, could you speak to that just to make sure that that's clear uh, for our listeners? So generally when we're talking about when to eat before training, so I like to see a meal like a few hours out. We want time for that to digest, but then something like this, 30 to 60 minutes before. So generally, depending on how long we're going to be active for is really going to tell us how many grams of carbohydrate we want to aim for in an hour. Mm. Um, If you're going to be training for an hour or less, like in that range of 30 to 60 grams of carbohydrates is likely sufficient for what your body's going to uptake and convert to energy, likely sufficient for you. But if you're an endurance-based athlete, that's going to be going for longer than an hour and a half. That's where we're looking at like upwards to 60 to 90 grams of carbohydrate per hour. So we might be hitting something like this, you know, every 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, depending or, or drinking, whatever the case may be, needing to continue to fuel with carbohydrates through so that 30 to 60 minutes before, um, and then depending on if we're, if it's long duration, um, adding in some more throughout. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. You can has a bunch of different products. You mentioned the edge already, which is super convenient because it's, you know, a, a quick shot and you can get everything you need, but they have hydrate and energy and they have, they have snack bars, which are a favorite amongst many people. And I'm curious in your mind about when somebody's considering getting started with you can, 
Do you have a recommended starting point or a logic that you think of for how someone should go about starting to to incorporate something like you can into their routine? Yeah, I might start with the powder just because you get a good amount of it. And so that way you can kind of trial it out in, in a few different scenarios and that sort of thing and see how you like it before maybe progressing on to some of the other things. But that might be a good starting point is just like pick a flavor of the energy powder that you're looking for and then try that in some of your workouts. Try that and then maybe compare that to how you usually fuel. Um, and I might like literally take either a notebook or your notes tab on your phone and just kind of write down like this is what I had today at this time. And this is how I felt during this workout, maybe what your workout was. And, and then maybe log again, try the you can, and then see how you felt in comparison to that. Uh, and then maybe, you know, continue to swap back and forth and just test that out on yourself and really see for yourself how your energy feels. And if you like the product, and then that maybe progress into some of the other things. Perfect. I think that's the simplest way to do it. (laughs) Yeah, it it makes total sense. It makes total sense. I guess my last question for you is, do you personally have a favorite UCAN product? I like the Edge packets. Those are my favorite ones. I like the orange flavor and then the strawberry banana. I think those are my my go-to. How about yours? Oh, uh, snack bars. Uh, like the, uh, Me too, the, yeah. The, I'm, I'm the Cran, yeah. Cran, Cran Raz. <laughs> I, love, I love that flavor. Yeah, I chocolate for me. But I would say for me, also, a lot of the reason is the lack of prep time in order to to eat the stuff. It's, I'm, it seems silly to say, oh, I'm too lazy to mix up powder. But it's not so much that it's, it's not exactly laziness. It's more that like sometimes the snack bars or the edge are just easier, right? It's really fast and it's really, it's really convenient. And sometimes what I need is to be able to have that reminder, like I need to do this and then be able to just do it without having to really stop and change what I'm doing, you know? And so maybe I'm, I'm sharing that I'm not that great at prepping my diet stuff, but a lot for me, it comes down to convenience and making the things I want to do convenient in my life. Otherwise I just don't really do them. Yeah, but it sounds like you understand that though. You understand that like convenience is going to be important to you around how you're going to fuel around training. And so you're setting yourself up for for having things accessible to you that are going to make that going to meet you where you are lifestyle wise. Um, and so that's a win-win scenario in, in, in my books. Don't, Brian, uh, just Brian, go, don't be lazy. Yeah, go ahead. Get go the on. mix, man. Get <laughs> the power. Come on. <laughs> it, it's so good. All of it is good. You need to use all of it, Brian. You know that. Come on. It's not even that it's not good. 100%. <laughs> no. I just, it's all, it's all just sort of when, when, when the question is, what's your favorite? It's, it's, you know, it doesn't mean other things are bad. It just means that this one's the favorite, right? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> no <Just> excuses. <laughs> Before we go, can you just tell everybody where they can find you on social media or online, how, how they should seek you out? Yeah. So everything's pretty much Jessica, the sports RD, RD stands for registered dietitian. So at Jessica, the sports RD on Instagram, if you're on TikTok, I'm over there, same handle. Uh, and then website is Jessica, the sports RD.com. We're going to be you, following Jessica. Jessica. We're going to be learning. We're going to be Appreciate learning some, educa- ed- some nutritional education because you, you do make it fun. So thank you again for being with us today, Jess. You, you are awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a blast chatting with you. All right, John, we are back. We just had an amazing conversation with Jessica Isaacs. And I want to take this a uh, few minutes like we've been doing to catch up and, and get your thoughts on the conversation, what you, what you took away from it, what you learned. Well, I was trying not to geek out because we're NBA fans. And I mean, she works with the likes of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and other amazing basketball players and athletes from the LA Clippers. And I mean, 
you and I both grew up were basketball nerds. I mean, yes, we are. We ended up in track and field and uh, middle and long distance running, but man, it just the fact that we get to talk to somebody who's around those guys was pretty cool. You know, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. is cool. I I find myself one of the things that that stands out is this. Um, we didn't go into it, I don't think, in too much detail, but as much as maybe we could have. But it's it's this the role of a of a dietitian when you're dealing with somebody who has all the resources in the world. But but at the same time, you know, still has a whole history of how they grew up that might not have money resources when they were growing up. They've got these lifestyle habits that that they have all the resources in the world to change, but maybe not the mentality to yeah. want to change it or to feel they need to change it. And so like the slow process of of helping the the people to to dial that in is uh, it's a really interesting challenge. And, and given the fact that she has to work with so many other people too, right? Like, like it's not that she's the only person they've got a bunch of people, strength and conditioning coaches and doctors and everybody else. And so I find it really fascinating, like how it works at that really top level, right? At that really elite level of athletics. I I'm blown away that she's able to balance all that. I'm sitting there going, when I was doing the research and, and, and preparing to have the conversation, one of the questions I had in my mind, I don't know if I got to ask it or not. I don't think I did, but I was thinking, how in the world does she balance all of this? All these people, all these different clients, all these different diets and 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 needs, and and how does she customize all that? But I, you know, you could tell. Follow her on social media. Like Jessica is amazing at what she does. You know, that was well, something that blew my mind. Is all the stuff that she has to balance, and when it comes to doing her job really well as a dietitian. You know, it's funny because when we talk about athletes and coaches, there are some coaches who just kind of have like a program and everybody just does the program. Like that's what they do. Every athlete does the same workout because that's what makes it easy for the coach. And then there's other coaches who are really personalized and really look at each athlete, what they need. And they put the burden on themselves a little bit to sort of make sure that they're providing a tailored experience to their athletes. And I think when I hear her talk about how she approaches being a dietitian, it's very much like that the second version where it's like, it's very tailored to each person, which puts a lot of emphasis on the relationship, the conversations, the getting to know the history, getting to know the, the to building that up, the time it takes to, to put into it. But you know, it is funny too, because she made a comment where she's not trying she, like if, if you don't stop using her services, then she's kind of failed. Like she's going to work with you until you're ready to move on and she expects you to move on. Right. So maybe, yeah. you know, like maybe it's not totally overwhelming because there's an end point where people are naturally moving away. It's not always increasing the number of people she's working with. It sort of stays fairly level, maybe. I'll tell you, I think you're right. Clearly, she's got an approach that it enables her to have a chance to teach them what they need so that they can actually take care of themselves and meet their nutritional needs beyond her services, you know, that's on on their own. Yep. So I think that there's some component there to how she approaches her craft and her career in that regard. The other thing I was going to say too, though, was I loved the big takeaway for me was I loved the idea of understanding a person's history and how that influences the decisions we mm. make or the choices that we struggle to make when it comes to diet and her speaking about the impact that diet can have on every aspect of your life, not just uh, sports performance. I mean, if you can understand your history, you can get more out of your diet and make better choices diet-wise. But you, I think you got to understand your history. And she, again, talked about getting to know her clients because that's going to allow her to get in their minds. And when she can have a mindset shift in her clients, then she can actually really break through with the nutritional advice and plans that she's going to provide them. 
I think you're 100% right. That is probably the biggest uh, big picture item that, that I took away as well. The the two other things that stood out to me that just I'll mention, um, and you can comment on either one if you think they stand out. One is is that sometimes when you're working with an athlete and trying to create that connection that enables you to learn that history and that enables you to to, to sustain the relationship long enough to sort of dig into there, you, you have to start with really small steps. And, and she talked about how just mm-hmm. getting somebody to eat at the same time every day is like a starting point. And I see, I look at stuff like that. I'm always amazed when there's some really simple first step that I might not have thought of on my own, but that it after I learn about it, it makes a lot of sense as to a starting point, you know? So stuff like that always, always hits me because I think, oh, it's so simple sometimes, right? Um, the other thing is, I just love what she's doing on social media. She made a comment that she always had, like, I think she said she's always had an artistic itch to scratch or something like that. And so she's yeah. taken her non maybe artistic field of dietitian and she's using other tools to explore this other aspect of her personality and provide a ton of value to everybody out there in the world and grow her business and and all these positive effects of it. It's a good reminder to me that there's a ton of opportunity and tools out there. And you, if you have an itch to scratch, like you can probably find a way to do it. Yeah, it's true. It's inspiring for sure. As an entrepreneur, I, I'm going to try to take a page out of Jessica's book. I love what she's doing on social media and I'm actually really excited uh, to follow her and, and to learn nutrition in a very fun way. Yeah, 100%, man. Well, this was a great conversation. I hope all of you guys took something away from it. And by all means, you'll take a lot more if you follow Jessica and at just, is it Jessica the Sports RD? Um, yes. Yeah, good. Uh, for us with Fueling the Pursuit, please like and subscribe. It'll really help us to grow our audience and keep doing what we're doing. All right, John, we'll see you in the next episode. Yes, sir. Thanks, Brian.